In a world where all the movies are about superheroes, two friends team up to talk about movies from a simpler time, a time before iPhones. They'll search for deeper meaning, mock things they don't like, and of course, there will be spoilers. Please join Terrence McHenry and Hollis Lazzarini as they get real nostalgic. Hey, everybody. Hey, what's going on? Hope uh, all is well. Yeah, seriously. It's a beautiful day. It is. Yeah. Got a little exercise in. It's always nice. Oh, yeah. Feeling good. So. So. Silver Streak, 1976. Wow. Four. Six? Yeah, but I was four. Oh, Terrence was four. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> You're going to have to provide me with different pictures of you at all these different ages. Hmm. Yeah, that's a tough one. You have one. to call okay. Stella. Yeah. Yes. You have to, hey. Hey, I need I need a plethora of pictures of me growing up. We need up. those baby pictures. Yes. Um, all right. So Silver Streak was directed by Arthur Hiller, mm-hmm. written by Colin Higgins. Okay. The budget was six and a half million. Six and a half million. That's a lot of money in that at that time. It was. Yeah. And then uh, the gross was $51 million Made its money US. back. Plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't have a lot of little factoids, but mm-hmm. I did write this one down. Okay. So they wanted to shoot the film in the U.S., but Amtrak wasn't crazy excited about the possible bad publicity because mm-hmm. train wrecks and whatnot. Yeah. So the film was shot in Canada using the Canadian Pacific Railway. Oh, wow. And then they did other things to kind of give you a feel like it was the United States. Okay. Yeah, so this was this was my first viewing. Okay. The thing that I was left with at the end of it was this movie can't even be made in this way. You can't do this narrative now because yeah. smartphones are a thing. Yeah. And so the first time he falls off the train, I'm like, now you just pull out your phone and call an Uber. Yeah, for sure. But instead, it creates all of this really great, all these great moments in, in the film because mm. he has to figure these things out as, on his own. No doubt. It also made me want to ride a train really bad. I've always wanted to take the trip through um, the Rocky Mountains. Okay. It's just really made me want to make that happen sooner than later. I don't know about the train for me. Uh, no? no I, I took a bus one time from Texas to L.A. when I was really young, and it was the worst experience of my life. Like, it was just, it was just super long and... A lot of people, and uh, it just wasn't for me. And so a train, ah, uh, no. We do have more space. Yeah, but a, a plane is much faster. And, it's faster for sure. And I, if I can, I always try to get the exit seat. You know what I mean? So I get a little <laughs> more leg room. Um, First hand up. No doubt. Boom. <laughs> On it. Um, so Gene Wilder as a leading man, this was a really new experience for yes. me. Not that he isn't hasn't been the lead. Of course, he's been a, the lead in many many movies. But a romantic lead, that leading man role, is usually reserved for Jimmy Stewart or you know, like Brad Pitt. I mean, yeah. obviously, neither of which would have been <laughs> at that time. Been, yeah, but I get what you're saying. It it kind of struck me as that I was like watching this movie and I was like, kind of thinking about it. As I was super young at that time, so I was like, but was at that at, at that time, was he what was considered a heartthrob, like like a pretty boy? I mean... Not at all. I, I wasn't yeah. sure, but I, I went with it. And honestly, like I said, it was... 
I, I thought I've always liked the combination of Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. Mm-hmm. Very, they can be very funny together and play off of each other very well. And I, I, when I'd seen this movie, I was, I don't think I was four when I saw it. I was probably more like eight or something like that. So still very young. So a lot of the comedy to me, it was more funny about how they reacted and their body movements and the things that they were doing. It, it seemed to me funnier, I think, then than when I watched it this time. Not that I didn't think it was a good movie and that mm-hmm. it had funny parts. It most definitely had funny parts. But it, as a kid, maybe it was much funnier to me. Yeah. Just because I didn't really understand it. You know what I mean? Sure. And yeah. The, the way that Gene Wilder plays his role, he's so laid back yeah like he's really smooth yeah he's not aggressive in any in any kind of way and that's how the movie goes too it's almost this really cool reflection like that vibe is throughout the entire movie when he meets the vitamin salesman Mm -hmm. this guy's telling him oh yeah you know this is like the hookup train yeah you know like just pick a lady yeah and she's just gonna be down to like bed up with you the whole time to which I'm going, that's presumptuous. <laughs> but he's speaking from this place of experience like this has happened to him. Yeah. Numerous okay. times. Mm-hmm. So he, he eyes his target and he saunters over to the bar and we meet Hilly. Yes. Now, wait, my question is, is the film, was it considered in that time, like the 70s? Is it, did was that a way, Was you were you able to figure that out? Uh, when the basing of this is is it supposed to be 1974 i think so okay okay yeah maybe i don't know because at one point when he he there's a question about like why the train and everyone's like what are you afraid to fly yeah and so it was there was a specific reason that each of them took the train yeah whenever it was discussed yes she says it's because her boss is old-fashioned yes but i love her introduction and the way I've never seen her in anything, actually, mm-hmm. let me take that back. I just am not familiar with her. She's also in Bridesmaids. She played Annie's mom. Okay. She's great. Yeah. I loved that opening scene and the way she played it because initially when she's talking to the vitamin salesman, mm-hmm. she's just talking to him like, like, oh, hey, person I've never met before. You know, yeah. like we're just going to have this conversation. As soon as she realizes he's just shamelessly hitting on yeah, her. Yeah, no doubt. It it shifts mm-hmm. and she kind of gets this like, oh, okay. <laughs> I see where this is going. Uh-huh. And plays it back on him in that way because she, she's like, oh, so are you hot? <laughs> and he's like, I'm hot all I'm the time. Hot, yeah. <laughs> I'm always hot. And she's like, oh, maybe I can do something to help you cool down yeah. and drops that drink right into his pants. Yep. Not on top of his pants. No. In his in pants. pants. <laughs> Gene Wilder is just watching this show play mm-hmm. out, loving every moment. No doubt. And she ends up his at his table. Yeah. They just get to talking. Mm-hmm. They just click. Yeah, and he's, like you say, he's very smooth mm-hmm. and non-presumptuous. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, yeah. He's like open mm-hmm. to whatever direction this is going to go. Yeah, There's yeah. no pressure. Yeah, no you know? doubt. He's so laid back. Yeah, yeah. And it actually, it worked really well. No doubt. You know, that's, that's, a, it's refreshing, you know? <laughs> it's like, wow. 
It had been so long since I'd seen the movie. One of the things that was odd to me is that it took so long for Richard Pryor to show up. 63 minutes, as a matter of fact. I was reading about the film, that this is kind of a, a loose little parody of North by Northwest by Alfred Hitchcock. Okay. And the whole train thing and this whole... Um, you know, meeting the pretty lady and mm-hmm. this guy who's kind of naive gets caught up in this thing. It's 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 that. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't maybe because I knew nothing about it. Uh-huh. I didn't expect it to go all the different ways that it went. Yeah. And it was never like, oh, but it was just like, oh, yeah, subtle, super subtle. Yeah. And so when they're getting drunk, it's like it was so cool. Two strangers on a train, and they yeah. just kind of. They just kind of click, and they then hit it off, yeah. you know we just get getting the wine, and the, there's like Manhattans, and then wine, and then champagne, and then want to go back to the room? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> he was smooth about it. So smooth about smooth it. Smooth about it. And the little joke about the latch. Yeah. Always yeah. with the latch. Yeah, yeah. That scene also was really interesting when they get back to their now or their conjoined room. Mm-hmm. Things are getting a little hot and heavy. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it's point. also really sweet. Like it's yeah. not, I don't know. There, there. It's almost like there's more of an intellectual thing going on. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Was, I think it's also a different time. I mm-hmm. think maybe in the 70s, uh, free love was pretty open. I, I know that was more of a 60s thing, but I don't see how it, even into the 70s, and that's, 74 is pretty early in the 70s. Like that wouldn't just go away very quickly. So maybe people were a bit more promiscuous. Maybe. Back yeah. then, and it was a time before, like, the crazy diseases, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, you know, I think maybe people were more open to that. And, I, you know, I'm sure that's it still happens today. Oh, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, you know how it is. Of course. And, but like I said, I was really perplexed by it being Gene Wilder. As the... As that lead role, like... Right. With the sex appeal yeah, the and sex the, appeal. yeah, all of that, yeah. And like you said, he, he, his eyes are beautiful. He, mm-hmm. he really does when they, and they would focus on them so much and in his face shots when they kind of had him, you know, being the person being filmed at that time. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, especially when he was hitting on the girl, they would focus on his eyes and he was dreamy. You know what I yes. mean? I, yes. I don't know if yeah. that's the right word. Is the right is it the right word to use for that? I think that? so. Yeah. I think they were trying to create that, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I think they were aware mm-hmm. that Gene Wilder is not the con- wasn't the convention for yeah. that role, but also if you look at it from that perspective of like we're kind of, you know, playing around making a little bit of a joke. Mm-hmm. Like Yeah. But but he doesn't play it that way, no. and I liked that. Yeah. There was funny parts, mm-hmm. but I agree with you. Like it wasn't this, you know, roaring laughter the whole time yeah thing no doubt i think it was like you said it was more of the caper love story like whodunit like in this like kind of innocent sweet man getting caught up in this crazy situation yeah yeah but he doesn't back down from it which is also really cool about him yeah Yeah. god i could just sit here and talk about gene wilder's (laughs) performance (laughs) like two hours but anyway so what happens when when things are just about to get a little more interesting mm-hmm. for these two in the bedroom, mm-hmm. Terrence, what happens? The guy falls off of the roof of the train by the window, and Gene Wilder's character, uh, George, sees it in the midst of the hotness and the getting ready. And so it freaks him out. 
because like, yeah. um, I don't. He, he doesn't know who it is right away. No. He doesn't realize it until she shows him the book. Right. So he says he sees this guy that just fell off the roof. She was like, "You're seeing I don't know things. What you're no, about. that's crazy." And then, and he's what, what? And she's like, "You know, don't worry about it. It's fine." Yeah. And she's like, "Can we get back to what we were doing yes. before?" <laughs> she was hot and ready with so it. ready. She she's like, "No, the actually, down. that we're not derailing this. This is no, happening. This is going to go happening. down." <laughs> and you know, we fade away. Mm-hmm. We come to the next morning, and then yeah, she shows him that picture. Yes. And he's like, "Oh my gosh, it's your boss." Yeah. That's she's the like, dude that about? fell off the train last night. She can't even. She's yeah. like, wait, she's it's like, eight no o'clock way. in the morning and yeah. you're trying to talk to me? She's this like, is no, crazy. No. It's talk to me at 10. He decides, well, fuck it. I'm just going to go see to I'm this guy's see yeah. room and see him. Yeah. And then he goes and runs into that. That guy's been in a lot of movies. Uh, God, now I need to think of his name. Uh, Ray Walston, Mr. Whiny. Or Winnie was oh it? the guy who opens the that opens up the mm-hmm. the door. He's like he rifling through the it. papers. Yeah. That guy's been in a lot of stuff. Like even things I think like uh, probably like I Love Lucy's. I would think I'm I'm sure on um, I Dream of Jeannie. I've seen him on those kind of episodes. Like I love those old shows, and he's always one of those characters that oh, okay. are in those kind of movies. Yeah. So yeah, he knocks on the the guy's door, and this guy answers the door. And he's shifty and, you know, kind of bad guy. I yeah. mean, I don't I, it's it's a terrible word that I I'm sure I'm not the first <laughs> to say it, but um, he's like, what do you want? And oh, no, you know, just like trying to get the guy to get out of there. You know what I mean? And then I love the guy that was from the James Bond movies. The really tall guy. The really tall he's guy. Like with seven, the, two, seven, one. Yeah. With the steel grill. Yeah. Yeah, he was in a, a Bond movie once that I saw. Okay. And, uh, yeah, plays the good bad guy, like the silent type. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. But, and and these are our, our, you know, three of the villains. Mm-hmm. And really, they're the henchmen. We haven't met the villain. Yeah, not yet. But for some reason, George is just like, I'm getting in there. Yeah. I'm not, Get out of I'm my not way. afraid. Yeah. yeah you're going to let me talk to the professor. Yeah. And they immediately go, oh, that's funny, no. Yeah. <laughs> You're going this way. And, yeah. and, and, and enters Steel Grill. Mm-hmm. And he throws him off the, off the train. Which he seemed really surprised by. Yeah. You know, it's like, he's like, oh, okay, fine, you know, whatever. And then he's like, wait, you're going to, no, you can't throw me off the train. <laughs> and so he's got to find his way back to the train. Yes. Because he's determined. And I think that. Is it the girl? Is it fully the girl or is it more that he wants to? I think it is because before he gets thrown off the train, mm-hmm. he says that she's in tr- she's in danger. Yeah. And then whoop. Yeah. And oh. so he goes on, you know, this epic walk in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and he stumbles across. It looks kind of like a farm. Yeah. And meets a lady and he's trying to get help. And she thinks it's hilarious that she would have a phone. Yes. <laughs> That's the funniest thing ever. Yes, like, wait. But, but she got a plane, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no phone. But she's got a plane. She's got a plane. And they hop in that plane. Mm-hmm. And I think that that would be a really fun experience and also really scary. Of course, because that's a little ass plane. And, With no roof. Yeah. And, you know, you always hear about those little, like, planes going down. And that's not particularly how I looked at going out. No. Not in a not like that. blaze of glory like that. Like, come on. Like, I want a rock star out. And then, uh, 
know what right. I mean? Right. It's not, it's not Top Gun. No. It's Prop Plane. <laughs> no doubt. Red Baron. Yes. No. No, yeah. I, don't, I don't want any part of that. That's scary shit. I couldn't, I, yeah. And yeah. once they, they go through what seems to be one of her favorite pastimes, which is buzzing the sheep a couple times, mm-hmm. we do beat the train out. Yes. Because this is the goal, to get back on the train, right. to so get we- to the lady, to help her. Because, you know, Gene Wilder, not only is he, you know, got his sexy, subtle thing going, mm-hmm. but, you know, he's valiant. He's got yes. all of this courage. Yes. He's, you know? He's feeling like a tough guy. Yeah. He's ready to handle it and get her safe, I think, you know, and- um, I wasn't sure if that was what it was or not. That's why I posed it. I was like, yeah. was it for the girl? Or was it for the fact that he wanted to be like that hero because he's so not the hero type either. So he's not the dream boat. He's not the seamed same save the day guy. You know yeah. what I mean? He's really not that person. So I was like perplexed by his role. And not that he didn't do a great job. I love him as an actor. Yeah, and yeah. I love this movie. But it was just so perplexing to me. And that's what it kept coming to me. I was like, he's not the save the day guy. He's not the dreamboat. He's the funny guy. And, yeah. And it, like I said, there were moments when he was funny. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it was, I think, a dry run for him as far as his acting, which shows that he's got yeah. a wide range as an actor. And I think it's pretty awesome. Like we watched him in um, Blazing Saddles mm-hmm. and these were two totally different roles right. for him. So it shows his range and I dig that about it most definitely. Although I cannot definitively say it was the girl, I do feel confident in saying I know one of the reasons he didn't get back on the train, which mm-hmm. is the first reason he got on his train mm-hmm. to go to his sister's wedding. Yes. Didn't seem so concerned about missing the event. No, not at all. Never comes up again. No, it sure doesn't. So it sure does not. I rest didn't even assured think about that. Yeah, he's not. I didn't even think it about wasn't that. out of like you know family loyalty. Not at all. He let that shit go. Yeah. <laughs> there was about fifteen minutes. It's about fifteen minutes before Richard Pryor enters the film mm-hmm. that dragged for me. Where yeah. I was like, okay, him ha, like yeah. let's kind of move it along here. And mm-hmm. and as soon as Richard Pryor shows up, yes, I swear to you, it was like a breath of fresh air for sure. All of a sudden, I was like, <gasps> yeah. ah, here yes. we go. Yes, I just wish in some way it almost came a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. But I love that intro mm-hmm. because it was the second time he jumps off the train and tries to go warn the sheriff, and the mm-hmm. sheriff's a bumbling idiot. Yeah, no doubt. He basically easily jailbreaks. Yeah. Steals the sheriff's car. Yep. Driving down the road and in the back you just like kind of see some like an arm or a leg or something kind of flailing and then boop, there's Richard Pryor. Yep. Gone. Out there. Like I I love it. He's just one of those comedians that I'll always remember. I, I think I said it in another uh podcast that my mom had Richard Pryor albums. Mm-hmm. Like the vinyls that were of his comedy shows and I wasn't allowed to listen to him, but I totally would. And he (laughs) was just so funny and just made me laugh. And even though I didn't fully understand all the jokes and stuff like that, I was at an age where I knew what the cuss words were and stuff like that. And he was foul mouthed and I loved it. You know, Mm -hmm. I just thought, and like I said, again, his, even though I couldn't see him, it was like his mannerisms that I couldn't even see were so still portrayed in his comedy, like just his voice. And I, he's one 
probably top he's number one i think as far as comedians like of course there's you know red fox and dick sure. gregory and there's yeah. so many other black comedians out there that that help pave the way mm-hmm. um but he's up there like yeah numero uno i think with me because if it wasn't for him people like eddie murphy and a lot of those people i don't think ever really would have existed um He's a comedy godfather, and I, I love that about him. And so, yeah. like you said, when he came into this movie, it was a breath of fresh air. It really was. That was when you knew more of the comedic sense was going to come into play. Right. Yeah. And in true fashion, George, he just, it doesn't even really surprise him. <laughs> He's like, oh, what are you doing back there? <laughs> what do you say? Robin. Or like, I was caught thieving or yeah. something like that. Yes. He goes, what are you? What are you running away from? Oh, they think I murdered somebody. Or no, murder. (laughs) He's like, but I didn't do it. But I didn't do it. They have a a, a chemistry. Yes, they do. So immediately, it's almost like you can see a change in Gene Wilder Mm -hmm. as soon as he is, as soon as Richard Pryor comes in. No doubt. He kind of just tells him the situation. They both need to get out of there. So it's Mm -hmm. a mutually enhancing situation. Yeah, mutual benefit, mutually beneficial to both of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then. They go to that lot and yep. get that other car. Yeah. And Richard Pryor picks the brightest red car in the lot. The Jaguar. The Jaguar. It was which sweet. is a really interesting looking car. Yeah. It was sweet for that time. Sure. You know what I mean? Very spaceshipy and Yeah. Um, I mean, back then if I was old enough to drive, I would probably drive that car. Then was, I'd drive it now. I would probably. drive it now. Yeah. <laughs> it's a classic, I'm totally beautiful fine car, with that car. Yeah. But yeah, he wanted something fast. He wanted to get there. And he felt like that car was the one that was going to do it. Yeah. Yes. Now she's, he knows for sure she's in danger. No doubt. She's getting slapped across the face, controlled, (laughs) told to lie. (laughs) It, oh, it, I think it'll always make me jump, even though I know to expect some of that kind of stuff in older films. Yeah. Where it's so commonplace, Mm -hmm. it still gets me. Just the striking. Just, yeah. And I'm like, ah. Yeah, you don't see that much in movies these days unless they're, proving a point or making a point of yeah whatever was going on in that movie but yeah you don't see that so they get to the train mm-hmm. it's no big deal and in case you guys didn't know george is like really rich yeah. apparently apparently I don't... He d- money doesn't seem to be an issue no. he's like let's just get some tickets we'll get back on the train everything's fine <gasps> well, uh-oh a, a there's tra- a oh, go ahead. there's a newspaper yes with his face all over yes, it, yes. calling him a murderer. Yes, and that's when Richard Pryor jumps in and sees the dude that's the shoe shine and starts spending George's money frivolously too. Like, yeah. I'll give you ten dollars for that. <laughs> I'll give you fifteen dollars for that. Pay the man. <laughs> and he walks with forty bucks, mm-hmm. which I should have looked that up. Like, how much you know in that time would a shoe shiner make in a day? Not very much. I don't think it's forty dollars. Not much. It's, I mean, probably a shoe. Sh- I mean, shoe shine. When I was traveling a lot, I think was maybe ten dollars, and they would do like a whole bunch of stuff for you and get your shoes super nice. When I traveled and I was a marketing consultant, mm-hmm. um, but back then it had to be like a buck a shoe shine or something like right? that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then tips, like a, yeah, yeah, it couldn't have been a lot, but. It, in a station like that, maybe it's the masses that you're making the money off of. So it's cheap, but if you're seeing thousands of people that go by, and back in those days, most people 
dressed nice, even when they weren't really going anywhere. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. maybe it was the, 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 the number versus, you know, the cost. But again, back then, those things were so much cheaper to buy. And he was giving him big money for that used stuff. And he seemed pretty stoked. Yeah, no doubt. And it brings us to what some might find to be an offensive of, scene. But back then, it was not. It was. You it don't was think again, so? Um, I think not, it was back then. I think in, it's it's just like in that time of like blazing saddles and how frivolously they use the N word and stuff like that. So I think that that little bit of racism that it really would be construed as now was kind of deemed as okay in the comedic sense in mm -hmm. these kind of movies with a character like Gene Wilder, especially when Richard Pryor is standing right there in front of him. You know what I mean? And so I didn't really view it as... I didn't view it as offensive myself yeah. because of the way that the entire scene plays. Mm -hmm. But I read online that it was originally supposed to play a bit differently. Okay. And Richard Pryor put his foot down and he demanded that they shoot it the way he wanted to. And in the really? end, they picked his version. Wow. So first of all, the fact that Gene Wilder or George is, is actually doesn't even realize what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it's Richard Pryor who's putting the shoe polish on his face. Yeah. It's his idea. It's all these, yeah. those aspects of it. I was like, okay. Yeah. And then... When he leaves to go get the tickets mm -hmm. in the movie, um, a black man walks in and he yeah. immediately is like, this guy is not black. <laughs> and he tells him he needs like, you need to work on your timing, which yeah, was yeah. hilarious. Yeah, yeah. In the script, it was a white guy who buys it. Really? Yeah. And so Richard Pryor was like, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And he's right. Yeah. Because if you, if you think about it in the other way, then it's like, ew. Yeah. Like it feels different that was a funny moment yeah. where the guy just wanders happenstance and he sees Gene Wilder trying to dance and <laughs> boy, is this becoming a theme? Like all the white men that can't dance and find rhythm uh, <laughs> in these movies we're watching. Yeah, no doubt. And he really played it well. He did. I actually he think really he did. almost outshined or he outshined Steve Martin's like lack of no rhythm. Doubt. No doubt. And I thought that that part of the movie was super funny mm -hmm. and it was that I remember very much as a kid. That was, I think, what really got the gut like laugh out of me yeah. as a little eight-year-old Terrence that was watching this movie. That part really stood out to me, and that's one of the ones, the scenes that I truly remembered, even before I'd watched it again, because it had been so many years since I'd seen it. But it works. It did. And he, <laughs> Gene Wilder, bops on out of that bathroom with looking a mess <laughs> with his radio and just looks ridiculous. He does. And he just moves right past those guards they don't take a look at him not one look and they get on the train mm -hmm. back home richard Pry gosh darn it what's richard Pryor's character's name his name was grover okay thank you yes as soon as they get in there you know grover's johnny on the spot like oh, yeah. he already is coming up he's thinking three steps ahead which no was doubt. great and mm -hmm. it played really well but he disappears he's like oh i'm gonna need some money yeah. and i'm gonna go get this thing yeah, yeah. and while he's gone is when we've met Devereaux. Devereaux's the bad guy. Yes. But he Devereaux pulls them into his really big cabin. Yeah, yeah. I was he's like, a, he looks like he has a whole boxcar yeah, or something. Probably, yeah. And sits down and starts basically telling them the situation that they're in. Mm -hmm. 
it, it starts to look pretty bleak. Like they're not getting out of the situation mm-hmm. at all. You know, basically he's got the Rembrandt papers, so he doesn't need anybody anymore. No. And he's going to destroy all of the evidence and he's going to make it look like murder suicide. Yeah, yes. It basically looks like there's nothing they can do about it mm-hmm. until Richard Pryor walks in with that marmalade and coffee. Yes. And he's little, his like butler suit. Yeah, the little butler suit. <laughs> Richard Pryor is hilarious. And he, he's the one that, like you say, he's Johnny on the spot. And he comes in. He's like, no, you want to try this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Grover and George, mm-hmm. they're in the spot. They're in a shootout. George is like firing the gun off like randomly and and Grover's like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. you're not really being smart about this. And he's like, we have to bail. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not jumping off this. I'm not leaving this train <laughs> not again. again. Yeah. Not doing it. Yeah. And of course, he ends up jumping off the train this time. So willingly jumping mm-hmm. off the train all three times of which he said, son of a bitch. Yes. Son of a bitch. <laughs> but now the girl's stuck on the damn train again. Yes. And so there's the final attempt to get back on the train but they find out that the cops have been looking for them Mm -hmm. well for george they're not looking for grover really from the station they find out this was all like kind of a ruse that they put in the news to to draw them in so because they wanted to talk to him they knew he didn't kill these people yes 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 and so they wanted to get him into the station and when he goes and finally talks to the detective they're like they have him in the room and he's trying to plead his case and then that's you're right that's when he comes out and he's like look dude we know you didn't do this but you know we need to still figure this out and get the people that did do it and so that's when they go in again after Devereaux. but it's at that point don't they get back on at a station or they they, they make the station stop yes. so they, i'm sorry they make the station the, the stop they make stopped. the train stop yes in the middle of nowhere which was that devereaux was trying to prevent yes by he, pulling the yeah the so he had all cutting yeah. the emergency lines yeah yes ultimately i don't even know why grover and george have to go but they do yeah you know because heroes in the 70s no doubt when they get there, this huge shootout takes place. They empty the train. Everyone gets off the train. Mm-hmm. And Devereaux and his henchmen stay on the train. Yes. They've got the girl. Yes. Crazy, crazy gunfire all over the place. Yes, yes. And then there's also, I liked, we've, I forgot to mention Scatman Scruthers in his character. He was the other black, like, uh, I don't know if he was the person that checked tickets or if he was one of the butlers, but he ends up getting... I think shot in the end or something happens to him. Okay. He was also in The Shining with, oh. yes, where he was the the Shining that. character that talked It's on to, my list. Yes. Oh, is it? Uh-huh. Okay. It's one of my favorites. I love that oh, movie, so I'm glad. fucking, dude. Nice. We're not doing it next, but it's <laughs> totally, totally on the list. So the train starts to pull away. Devereaux abandons his dudes. He doesn't care. This Mm-mm. is all about him. Yep. I don't know where he'd he thinks he's... He'd already destroyed the letters, right? Yeah. Yeah, he'd bur- he burned them. Yeah. Yes. And he just essentially just needs to get away. Yes. Grover and George go jump on the train to go help the girl. Mm-hmm. And that shootout just was crazy to me because yeah. you've got helicopters. They're all firing at the moving train. And you've got this dude doing like a Scarface hanging out of the, <laughs> out of the window, like just firing off randomly, like uh, trying to shoot down the chopper. Yeah. But he's just one dude. Yeah. And I guess all the good guys were just really bad shots at this point. They really are. They really are. It's like that, though. It's, it is. It builds up the 
the intensity of, I guess, the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't want to really show anybody getting too overly hurt. I mean, a couple people do die in this movie. Yes. But, um, I think it's it's that's not the whole premise. You know what I mean? I don't think they, they want to focus on the death part. It was just, yeah. And they're just playing with the audience a little yes. bit. They're like, oh, you thought this shootout was going to be it. <laughs> but guess what we've got left for you? We got more. We got a runaway train situation. <laughs> the train is not going to stop. It's like speed before speed. Mm-hmm. Can't go less than 50 miles an That's hour. That's right. <laughs> we have a very heavy toolbox in the full go position <laughs> on the train. And the dude just got his head snipped off by yeah. other train. Yes. That's what it looked like to me. Yeah, I think so. Like, that's... But when I read about it, they said that he got pushed. And I was like, who pushed him? I don't think that's what happened. <laughs> no, he got decapitated. There's right. no way his head would have been still attached. Like with the two trains going by like that. No friggin' way. Ugh. Like that's crazy. Right? Yeah, no doubt. And so at that point is when they realize, oh shit, this train is not stopping. No, we got to figure out how to stop it or at least lessen the impact that's going to happen. Right. And they're hanging off the side. And again, this is just an area that I don't think Gene Wilder fits. Like being the guy out there, like unattaching the train, hanging mm -hmm. on, like it's, it's great, but it's just, it didn't seem right. Something about it just didn't seem right in my adult self. Like and in some way, I almost felt like he w almost went into a playful aspect with it mm -hmm. in the way in which he was trying to swing his arm. Yeah. It didn't look like, like if you were actually in that situation, the yeah. way in which you would kind of swing your body to do that. For sure. So it seemed like he was almost... Playing off that. Yeah. Yeah. It was really weird. It was the only time I really kind of picked up on that in the movie. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, is he... Is he doing that like, to, yeah, to yeah. kind of be funny? Like, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> huh? you know, like, yeah. But that's that's when Richard Pryor shows a little bit of his athletic ability, jumping yep. from one train car to the next yep, yep. as they are separating, mm -hmm. and they all get off, mm -hmm. which leads to I loved the scene of the train busting through the station. Yeah, it looked great. It looked really good. Like I wondered how if how they did it they, i mean they must have truly it's 74 so they didn't have is it cgi or, or C i can tell you a little bit okay let's hear it what they did is they built a replica of the train station they did all of it in a um in a hangar like for planes okay so the the set was really elaborate and okay. super super expensive but they did. They busted through like with replicas. Like, so that was all models and, and sets that they plowed all of that through. So wow. that's why it looks so great. Wow. So an actual train like. Or a replica. A replica mm -hmm. of the train. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Isn't that? Yeah. I thought it was, it was pretty, pretty cool. cool. I did too. I was like, wow, dude, they destroyed that. Like where did they, where did they find like. It was just a thought process. Like, where did they find a, an abandoned, yeah. you know, train station like that that they could do something like that? That's awesome. To which and, we should just yes to the to the set designers. Good no job. Good job. Bravo. Bravo. Really nice. A standing ovation if I could stand. <laughs> I I liked it. I did too. I think it was a good, real nostalgic movie, and yeah. I wanted to to revisit it because it had been a long time since I'd seen it again. Great movie. Not as funny as I thought, like in the whole movie premise of it. Yeah. Not like some of their other movies like Hear No Evil and See No Evil where it's like comedy all the way through and they're playing so well off of each other because yeah. they're both 
really a really good actors and be both very very funny man or you know richard Pryor, rest in peace mm-hmm. um gene wilder too gene wilder's dead oh yeah. wow um so rest in peace to yeah. both of them they were a comedy duo that made so many movies yeah. together and i think that we'll watch more of their movies because they're timing with each other and they're what seems like they were probably really good friends i'm not sure but I think they were just a perfect duo at that time in that, you know, that time frame of, of comedy. Yeah. And they made great movies together. And so with I, that being yeah. said, I truly enjoyed it. I agree. Yeah. I really did enjoy thinking about that kind of era, that time where, you know, people took the time to take the train mm-hmm. and it wasn't always about, you know, now, now, now. And, you know, the situations that play out because of, how much our technology has advanced now it's hard Mm -hmm. for us to even conceptualize a situation like that but there's something that was simple and pure really yeah pure and refreshing about it that made me really like the movie yeah no doubt and there was one moment i forgot to to mention Mm where i love the moment when richard Pryor and gene wilder are going to the back of the train before they end up in the in the gunfight and Uh and jumping off and Richard Pryor walks by and there's a closet mm-hmm. and he sees his jacket and he takes the, you know, 10 seconds to grab his purple jacket. Yes, yes. I love that. <laughs> I was like, yes. Yeah, I need that. That's mine. <laughs> it just made so much sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, in a real world situation, you probably don't stop to get your jacket. But no. I, I don't know what it was. It just, I don't know. He was flashy. Yeah. And I love how he, at the end, he gets the Jaguar back. Because they're like, oh, okay, well, where do you want me to take you? Mm-hmm. Because they had nothing against him, no, no charges against him. And so he was like, my, my Jaguar, I left yeah. my Jaguar in Kansas City. And so he got his Jaguar back that he stole from that lot. Yep. Yes. And he stole a car to drive to Kansas City to get the other stolen yes. car. There he goes. Nice. And he just gives a nice little wave and off to Kansas City to Kansas and, City and kind jack. of the wink and a nod kind of thing. Uh-huh. It was good. Yeah, it was a good movie. So good choice by Terrence. Good choice by Terrence. I'm smiling if you guys didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> With the two thumbs up, this guy. <laughs> yes. So what are uh, what are we thinking for uh, next week, Halls? You're... It's my turn. It's you that's got to pluck one out for mm-hmm. us to, to watch. What what are we going to grace us with this time? Village of the Damned, 1995. Village of the Damned. It's not good. Oh, it's, you brought me another one of these ones. It's, um, <laughs> it's a remake of a film I should have looked up exactly when, but I'll do that for next week. Okay. I went to see this in theaters, and it just became the biggest joke. Okay. It's supposed to be serious. Please. It's hilarious. Is it? <laughs> it's it's a horror movie that just, if you, you'll see. Village of the Damned. Yep. Let's do it. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you again for downloading. We hope you liked it. Real Nostalgic is produced by Hollis Lazzarini with additional support from me, Terrence McHenry. Our logo was designed by Carissa Westfall. Please check out our website, realnostalgic.com. Like, share, subscribe, and write to us. We'd love to hear from you.